Welcome to Agam the Climate Podcast, a literary podcast about climate, consciousness, and crisis, but without jargon. We live in a time of uncertainty. Our future is still being written, which means there's still hope. Here we host conversations with writers and artists whose stories we need to guide the way. I'm Padma Perez with Joseph Santos Lyons. Thank you for joining us. For the book Agam, Filipino Narratives on Uncertainty and Climate Change, contributors were sent a photograph to use as a writing prompt. They were asked to consider the words uncertainty and ambiguity while avoiding words and phrases such as climate change, global warming, adaptation, and mitigation. This process produced 24 poems and narratives in eight Philippine languages paired with 26 images. In season one, we bring you the voices behind the stories and poetry in the book. In this episode, we feature Arnold Azurin. He's someone that I've looked up to as an anthropologist, a writer, a historian, and a leading public intellectual in the Philippines, who we could say has some pretty maverick ideas and really sort of um, embodies what Agam tries to do, that whole spirit of looking at things from different angles that people don't usually consider. And you see that a lot in, in Arnold's work. We met with Arnold at the UP Hotel uh, at the Diliman campus here in Quezon City. And we had Merienda beforehand. And um, I totally agree with you, Padma. Like he, that maverick energy, I could I could feel it from the moment that we were connecting. And I know in the interview and in, in his piece, he really uh, does unpack sort of a deep sense of self-determination for people from Ilocos in the north. Uh, but I also thought it was really interesting to learn more of his story because, uh, you know, of course, he has these deep connections to northern Luzon, Ilocos, um, and he's so descriptive about the area. Just I could really envision these sort of western coastal lands and and the mountains and, and, and him being on foot and traveling around. What folks may not also know about Arnold is that he was incredibly active during the martial law era of the late dictator Ferdinand Marcos. And he actually served as spokesperson for the movement of concerned citizens for civil liberties based in Ilocos, which is also the home province of the Marcos family. Uh, and so he was sharing some very intense and somewhat scary stories, um, including one of actually sitting here at this UP hotel where we're having merienda uh, today in 2019. And this is, you know, 40 years ago and having to actually flee government security forces who were coming to look for him. I think he said he had to just sort of sort of signal he was going to go use the restroom and then never came back right. uh, and went north. Right. And after that, he had to go into hiding. And um, he, he has a close connection to Baguio City, which is my hometown, because he had friends there who, who took care of him um, and who were also involved in the same movement. What I appreciate about Agay Ayos, his piece in Agam, Filipino Narratives, is you you come away from this piece thinking about 
what it means to remember a place or to have a sense of, of place and to know its history. So not just a sense of place in terms of how you yourself experience it, but all the stories and histories of the place before you even encounter it. It's just, it's all there. Here's an excerpt from Arnold Molina Azurin's reading of Agay Ayos. From the Ilocano word Agay Ayos, meaning ever-flowing, as water down a river or blood in the veins, memories in a lifetime. Agay Ayos is a scenic spot along the winding Ilocos Highway connecting the coastal towns of Santa and Narbacan. Immediately further north, this sleek stretch of road leads to the farming town of Bantay and the historic Bigan City. This entire sprawl of seaside domain can be seen from the Agayayus headland, the highest point overlooking the seascape and the Abra River and the lower folds of the Malaya mountain range bordering the Abra Valley. However, the historic role Agayayus is a microcosmic vista compared to the timeless legends and folkloric memories of the farmers and fishers hereabouts, who, for instance, believe that the vast and deep river basin in nearby Banawang was caused by a gigantic fireball that crashed from the sky, and that, at the dawn of time, the progenitors of the northern folk, the giants Angelo, and Aran had used the river basin as their baiting pool. Their footmarks can still be retraced in the riverbed, so it's believed. I'll start by asking you to tell us a bit about the photo that you received. Uh, you know, uh, when I was given the photo, of course, it is less uh, focused than this. This is now over-focused to the man, right? The original photo is, it's a long shot, okay? And that long shot uh, showed a lot of uh, coconuts being having been torn down by a typhoon. So it was the destruction behind by a big uh, rainstorm that uh, concentrated my, my ideas that well, uh, we have always been surviving uh, these things in, in Ilocos. But because there are hardy farmers, it's not because miracles uh, came here. <laughs> oh, because the, the destruction shown at the back of the photo is enough to show that, my God, it must take uh, people with, with strength and with... Uh, uh, with hardiness and uh, with uh, intimacy with the land and the weather that can make uh, people survive or think of having a child in the background and the child will have to inherit that skill, that knowledge or else do not grow up to be alive. Do you think that this knowledge is still being inherited or passed down these days? Yeah, in the Ilocos especially, this knowledge, remember they're still planting uh, tobacco 
they're still <laughs> planting a corn and 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 Ilocos is still a source regular source of uh, garlic and onions it's still it, it's still very much it's either they plant uh, along the environmental pressures or they don't survive like people like me from Ilocos we had to get out of Ilocos because we don't have that uh, farming skills. <laughs> so we survive in any way. We can write essays like this. <laughs> that's how you survive, through your writing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Agay Ayos is very much, I think, a piece about water. Yeah, Agay Ayos. Actually, I have underwritten. I have written less about Agay Ayos as a an iconic landmark in that part of the domain there is much more to say historically because the agay ayos in the book of uh, don belong isabelo de los reyes it is mentioned in two chapters in two chapters of uh, isabelo de los reyes book historia de ilocos that uh, that was really the place where I, I mentioned here a little bit of it, where the rebels from Sambales and Pangasinan who were about to take over the whole uh, the Hispanized Ilocos uh, domain. That was the area that really became the barrier for an easier attack. But that is also how the northerners learn how to fight the the colonialists. It was called the Gaius even in way back in history, you know, because there was supposed to be a spring there that uh, crossed that uh, trail, that horse trail, and then it went down to the sea. It was a very important uh, part of the transportation because that's where they can drink they can have their own uh, rest but uh, the importance of the agay ayos is not really that much uh, significant anymore because people uh, don't uh, care much about the, the historical uh, lore uh, about the, the agay ayos not anymore so is it a forgotten history already? Well, if you go to the archives, you can still reconnect with the importance of Pagayayos. But then, who goes to the archives? <laughs> so to go back to Pagayayos, uh, we wanted to ask you, what's the... What's the significance of water and rivers and springs oh. and flowing in history in general? Oh, this, you know, this, uh, this part of Ilocos, if you have been going there, you would notice that it is only in that uh, area where there is a, a gorge uh, bordered by two mountains. And throughout the Ilocos, or Cordillera for that matter, including Cordillera. That is the only place where the water 
is always uh, flowing. The river basin in that area, I mentioned it here in Banawang, is the widest uh, river part that immediately brings the bankas and the rafts, the bamboo rafts, direct to Abra Valley. In other words, it is a shortcut. The Agay Ayos is just part of the, the river basin. You know? Consider the water source in that part. It's actually the part that has certain uh, waterfalls. You know? For instance, in a nearby part of the Agay Ayos, there is a spring and the watershed that feeds the water to Bigan. And if you say Bigan, that's just a center. It also feeds the, the Santa, the Kawayan. So the Agay Ayos is part of the water table that uh, makes that area uh, at least rich with uh, flowing water and food, the fish, the fish. Um, because I'll tell you a very important thing that I could not uh, put here. You know. That area uh, of the Banawang Gorge uh, and a big uh, river basin that is uh, flowing throughout the year, if you notice, uh, it doesn't dry up like most rivers in northern Luzon. No? It doesn't. So, the very beautiful thing uh, about this part of the river is that there is a branch of the river that goes immediately to uh, Santa. There is a branch of the river that goes uh, to the other uh, area of that alluvial plain. Now, I mean, of that plain that is, that is always uh, flooded during rainy season. Uh, but after the rainy season, while the silt from Cordillera, the gold dust from Cordillera has already flown to the, to the sea and then brought back to the surf uh, in the shore. That's why there is a, a big barangay, a barrio in Vigan called Mindoro, Mina de Oro. Imagine that. And that is the part of the the whole seashore the shoreline in that series of many towns that mindoro was is really the place where the sea will have to push back through the waves the silt during rainy season uh, I, I love this very much because I know that this is the source of the fertility of the, the the river and then after the rainy season if you remember our delicacy the 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 small fish newly newly spawned fish ipon the ipon imagine we in that series of towns in that seascapes and landscapes will have to look forward the time when it's already, the, the calendar says uh, it's bare, B-E-R, 
PER, then we know that yeah, October, uh, September, October, November, the Ipun is already uh, coming up. We, our the elders have a mystical uh, view of the the Ipun that it's not just a natural uh, spawn uh, fish of the of the local fishes. It is supposed to come up exactly nine days after the full moon. It's very, very tiny fishes, newly spawned. They don't look like fish at, at first, you know. They, they just look like dust uh, swimming together you know, uh, in the sea. That part of the sea that is being washed down by the Abra River. So it, it makes the river and the and the uh, syrup uh, mil milky, so they try to catch the uh, that uh, milky thing uh, with very fine mesh net, and that is supposed to be in the belief of the the elders. That's supposed to be the the result of the wed wedding, the wedding of the moonlight and the sea surf supposedly that's the beliefs that's why people cannot implement the law that the, they should uh, limit their catching the ipon because that is not uh, uh, ecologically sound yeah. you are supposed to be catching the small fish uh, yeah. environmentally you know? but uh, but no it's uh, it comes from the wedding of the moon and uh, and the sea, uh, so you can. I myself, I can just imagine. Sometimes, I I don't know how to contradict that. If I had to contradict that and make it scientific, but uh, I can also imagine how the moonlight uh, make uh, a beautiful uh, on the surf. No, uh, yeah, on this on the surf. Uh, when it's full moon, uh, yeah. before it becomes full moon, uh, there is it's something beautiful. magical in it, and and I'd rather not. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes we just have to let the magic be. Oh, <laughs> I think. My God! Yeah. Even now, as I talk about the ipon, how I want to eat it. Now. <laughs> Same here. Me too. So, th you know, thank you again for reading so beautifully today your yeah. piece, and I wanted to go back and just ask you. What is Agayayos like today? Agayayos today is very ridiculous. Right now, if uh, Agayayos to me, but of course it's very personal, it's, it's the, the, the landmark for my boyhood, for my, my starting to fight the establishment. There is a monument of Gabriela Silang very very sanguine pose uh -huh. big big riding a horse of course Gabriela Silo never rode a horse so it still really stands out this location but yeah. you're saying it's sort of ridiculous can you say more what that means and then be, behind the Diego Silang astride a horse uh, a statue is a a, a small uh, uh, lookout, no? With uh, it's a lookout with uh, with a roof, uh, a lookout uh, 
to enjoy the view and then in front of it is place Imelda Marcos. <laughs> no kidding. And then the, there is a big, big uh, concrete you know, Imelda Marcos. But that uh, Imelda Marcos tag was there long before the Gabriela Silang statue. So, but in that same spot, there is a American colonial period uh, road marker, you know, this uh, made of uh, blah, 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 to identify who first developed, who first developed the, the past, because it is a past, right? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So, so, so many historical markers, in yeah. a sense, in one place. Yeah, at least three. You just changed something, an image that I've held very dear since my childhood, which is of Gabriela Silang wielding a bolo on a horse. Uh -huh. And you just said that she doesn't, she never rode a horse? Of course, she never rode a horse because... Uh, my whole life has been a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but then, that, that is a colonial, that's a, also a colonial imagery. Oh, all over the Spanish. Dominion, you can find uh, people with uh, <laughs> riding a horse, with their, with their oh, or their gun. <laughs> That's a colonial uh, imagery. So it has some very interesting historical connections, and some that may also really feel ridiculous, like the Imelda Marcos in concrete. What about from your story? You talk about I have the always changes. wanted to remove that name. <laughs> Even as a boy, I mean, uh, Imelda was already a chatter when I was in high school. So even when I was in high school, what is that doing there? In your piece, you talk about being a young scout and meeting a small farmer in the area. Are there still small farmers around Agayayos? And what happened to Tata Temyang? I have been wondering what happened to the, to the plants being planted, you know, Agayayus is their eclipse side. Eclipse side. This is the slope that looks to the sunrise. Okay, so this can be planted, and this used to be planted slope, while that one overlooks the sea. Okay, now, when I was uh, still a young boy, accompanying my mother to sell slippers in. Baghead. And how often would you do that? Huh? How often would you make that trip? Every, every Saturday, Sunday. So every week? Every week. Because we were the ones supplying the, the sleepers. Uh, even up to the Marcos family, it was my grandmother who okay. was supplying. So you'd see all these small farms on the eastern slope, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, there were small farms there. And I, I, I love looking at them when, when we would be passing by, you know, because there, there was a slope that is devoted to um, squash. <laughs> One particular crop. Well, yeah. There is a slope that is uh, devoted to tobacco. Tobacco. <laughs> and and then there is a slope that for corn. See? So it, maybe it's also like a marker as you're yeah. walking Oh, and I love it. I love it so much, yeah, because I could see so many. Sometimes I wonder whether I was really seeing them or imagining them, 
because sometimes I see them as very big and uh, squash. Mm. <laughs> well, and today are those farms no still more. there? No more. No more. Uh-uh. What is there instead? The last that I saw was magay. Magay for the fiber. Okay. So, magay. And what is that? What is that, magay? Magay is like, it looks like a pineapple okay. plant. So, maybe a cash crop? Of course, it is for use for uh, fiber, not only for slippers, but for rope, etc. Actually, it was imported from Mexico. The, the plant that looks that way, and then it has a long, tall flower. Like, an aspar- like a giant asparagus. Yeah. And is it okay for the farmers? Are they, are they successful with that particular crop? Is that good well, for the environment? The farmers in Ilocos plant what is necessary to plant what they need for. So by, by planting magay, they are producing uh, fibers to make sleepers too. To make, just like uh, in Batanes, they had fibers to, to make them do the buckle. You know? <laughs> uh, so the Ilocanos, when they, when they planted <laughs> one slope, Face this, uh, I, I would find in a funny way call it the, the sunrise side of the Agayayos because this part is zone, overlooks the sea. Now, the sunrise side, the slopes, and so there were a lot of uh, things to, to be planted, to be seen there. And imagine me, I am not a child of a farmer, I'm not uh, living by the farm. But I just love looking at the, <laughs> the, the different. <laughs> but right now, I know now that all those plants there were uh, actually exports from Mexico. All introduced crops. Oh, introduced crops. So it's amazing how 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 vividly you can recall the landscape and also describe how it's changed over yeah. time. And I f- because it's really part of. Part of me. Yeah. I can cry. I can cry. Thank you so much for taking us back to that place. And it's really clear how much it uh, has touched you and affected you. And you hold it in such esteem and beauty. It, it's still, I will still have a lot to write about it. Especially when I see my own grandson playing only with the computer. My God, my own grandson has no memory of uh, the world. I I will write more about it. (laughs) Please, please do. And one of the things we're always talking about um, with this work, like with Agam and the hopes of creating a new book, is also the question of what are the memories Mm. we're going to hold on to when climate change transforms the world that we know, which is why our, our memories of landscape, not just yeah. of moments, are also so um, powerful and, and meaningful to us. Do you think much about climate change and of what could course. happen? In fact, what are your of thoughts course I on think it? think much about climate change. If uh, you, you, you may not know that uh, a, bunch, a bunch of poems that I wrote and that won first place and the palanca, it is called Dugudog. Dugudog. 
What does that, that mean? The Godo. The Godo, semantically, is the strong wind, blustery wind that comes from north, northeast. Uh, so, so that, over, that so, so from the inland, not from the sea. No, from the from the sea, because Ilocos is border, you know, facing the sea here and the sea there, Cagayan. So the Batsu poems is all about the Ilocos terrain and the historical lore parts of it. Dugudug itself is the strong, blustery wind that, remember, the, the word is dogodog. It's, uh, it's actually the ponomatopoeia. The or, sound that the, the wind sound. makes. Dogodog, dogodog. <laughs> but it's, but I picked up from the elderly. There is also another term that they use when November comes in and the, it is cold, chilly, and, and even the ground is let's say, cracking, the, the term for it is pinagbebinales dagiti elemento. So it's very colonial, no? Pinagbebinales, pinagbebinales, the clash. Of the elements. Of the elements. The clash of the elements. Oh. <laughs> but I put that away, said that's too dramatic. <laughs> you know, I think these are words that, that we might are we losing these words because we, we don't are. pay attention to our surroundings as much as we used to? So I find sometimes that we don't even have those words to describe long days of rain anymore. We, we are losing them. I, re I, I realize we are losing them because my friends in Locos Norte, uh, my age mates, they, they have more words for, for the weather than I have. What kind of an impact do you feel like your writing and the book of Agam can have? Well, it, it's simply on the this. I don't, I don't uh, want any mystical uh, uh, effect of uh, Agayayus, except simply if I can show to my friends or people who know me, we Arnold. Uh, knows the local uh, culture. Uh, if they realize that I can spend my time and my life uh, being intimate with uh, my memories, you know, and and if they like it, I mean, that would be enough. Uh, the to be alive with your memories. Thank you, Arnold, for everything you shared with us. <laughs> oh, don't, don't Thank mention, you, Arnold, I, so much. I, I couldn't help but shed a tear. To listen to Arnold Molina Azurin's full reading of Agay Ayos, visit the Agam website or check out the reading list of Agam the Climate Podcast on Spotify. Thanks for listening to Agam the Climate Podcast, a podcast about climate change without jargon. Continue the conversation with us next episode. We are a part of the Agam Agenda out of the Institute for Climate and Sustainable Cities based in the Philippines. You can hear past episodes and engage online with us on Facebook, Twitter, and agam.ph. 
That's A-G-A-M dot P-H. Special thanks to Ground Bravo Studios, Far Eastern University, and you, our listeners, for your support.